Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Lily Cooper, one talented woman, and fortunately for us, she shared that talent on Broadway, off-Broadway, and on television. Her most recent role was playing Julie Nichols in the Broadway hit Tootsie, based on the 10-time Oscar-nominated film. Julie is the love interest of the Dustin Hoffman character, Michael Dorsey, Dorothy Michaels. However, Lily describes her Julie as, quote, independent, strong, and outspoken. Lily's other Broadway credits include SpongeBob SquarePants, Wicked, and Spring Awakening. She's appeared in numerous off-Broadway productions, The Wilderness, Natasha Pierre, The Three Penny Opera, to name just three. As for the small screen, she's appeared on Bull, Instinct, Elementary, The Code, and The Good Fight. Lily is a graduate of Manhattan's prestigious LaGuardia Arts High School and a Vassar College alum. So let's meet and get to know Lily Cooper. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me remotely today. Hi, thanks for having me. Lily, what's it like not to be, quote, dancing as fast as you can? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I'm somebody who really thrives on being busy and just sort of constantly doing 10 things at once. And I really had to sort of shift my mindset when, you know, we all realized we had to stay at home all day long. And in turn, it's I've found it actually quite difficult to find a creative outlet because I, I think I feed off of others. And so uh, it's it's mm-hmm. challenging to be alone. Yeah, it's you know, not like and, you're a novelist or a Exactly, yeah. right, uh-huh. right. And also you live in Manhattan, right? I do, yeah, I live in Harlem. You know, it's interesting in different neighborhoods. I'll, I'll bike around the city just to sort of get out and get some exercise. And, and different neighborhoods are actually just experiencing completely different experiences, I think, yeah. of, this, of this COVID pandemic. And... You know, Harlem has always been a very boisterous, populated area where people are on the streets listening to music and eating. And, and I think that's been a challenge for Harlemites to, to stop. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. I, I think there have been a lot of people on the street, but I think for the most part, people have been social distancing and, you know, we'll see little groups in the park here and there, but everybody's for the most part wearing masks. And the biggest challenge for us is we have two dogs and we're lucky because, you know, they A, keep us company and B, you know, force us to go outside every day, but dog parks have been closed. And so not only are we feeling stir crazy, but our two little dogs are feeling so stir crazy because they've hardly been able to get off the leash at all. And so, you know, like those are kind of things that are, that we're finding to be, you know, the little challenges here and there being in the city as opposed to being out in nature. What's going on in your head? Are you nervous about what the future may hold for Broadway and off-Broadway? Absolutely. I'm pretty terrified. I mean, I think, you know, theater and artists and actors have always been very resilient. And I think we've survived a lot of hardships and will come out on the other side of this. But I think that there's going to be a new normal. I don't think that it's going back to what we have been used to, you know, in terms of theater audiences. And that makes me sad. You know, I, I miss... I miss that. I miss having theaters filled with 2000 people. And and I hope that one day we get back to that, but it feels like it will be longer than we hope. Mm. And that makes me really sad because, you know, that's the thing that we really sort of thrive from and feed off of and the reason we do what we do. And so it, it, it does make me a little daunted to think of how long it might be. And then what might a new normal look like? There are all these questions Mm -hmm. that we don't know the answers to, and that can be pretty scary. 
But let's focus on the positive in terms of going back a little bit. Talk about your experiences. First of all, and I ask this all the time, particularly of people who are talented as actresses and singers, were you putting on shows in the barn, in the backyard (laughs) when you were growing up? Yeah, you know, I think I actually had somewhat of a different experience than than those than those kids, you know, putting on shows for their parents in the backyard. I was extremely shy as a kid, and I didn't really like to perform very much, really, until high school. And what I was really thrown into was dance as a kid, and so I felt like that was my creative outlet, but I didn't really use my voice until I was a teenager because I was so shy. And so, no, I really wasn't one to be singing around the house or putting on shows. And I think it wasn't until I really broke out of my shell as a teenager that it started for me, that I really got the bug, that I really got the theater bug. And that's that's to say I was surrounded by theater my entire life and I've always loved it. And I was always backstage at my dad's shows and everything. My dad is a Broadway actor. He's been in 16 Broadway shows. Oh, wow. He won so a the acorn, Award. The acorn doesn't fall far, huh? Exactly, exactly. We are a very theatrical family. I have two older brothers who are both actors as well. So it's run in our family and it's always been a part of our lives. Um, but I didn't really start fully or throw myself into it fully until high school. Well, not for nothing. As I said in the introduction, you went to LaGuardia and... Nobody just gets into LaGuardia. I would not have been accepted to LaGuardia. So clearly that was supposed to happen, even though yeah. you're very shy or whatever. You They don't suffer fools gladly. Right, right. Both of my older brothers went there. So it was sort of this legacy. And it was something that I kind of inside, deep down, always knew I wanted to to go to LaGuardia. And I loved it. I mean, it was I have such amazing memories of going to school there. And so I I would assume that the feedback helped kind of would certainly have impacted you, you know, to feel safe and secure and to express yourself. Oh, 100%. So I went to a, a very rigorous academic middle school and I never felt like I quite belonged there particularly because I was actually pretty badly cyberbullied um in 7th grade. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that really sent me on the trajectory, you know, to lead me where I am today. And I transferred middle schools and I went to a professional performing arts middle school for eighth grade. And then that really prepared me for going to LaGuardia. And then, you know, I was with my tribe. I was with my family. I was with the people who I connected to and could express with. And, and it helped. that's exactly what helped me break out of my shell and, and you know, fall in love with, with theater and performing. How did that experience formulate you for later in life in the sense did that in a way clarify things for you like maybe I'm not really going to do dance but I might you know turn the corner and go into musical theater or maybe I just be a singer yeah absolutely I think it did shift my sort of mentality and I don't think I was quite sure what I wanted to do professionally you know before I went to high school and once this kind of life-changing event happened to me in seventh grade, I think it revealed this part of me that I was sort of hiding my whole life and, and it allowed me to go down this path that I fit in so much better than the path that I had been on prior. So yeah, I think it was a very formative experience and 
I'm grateful for everything that has happened to me because I wouldn't be where I am today. So how did you wind up at Vassar? So Vassar is about, you know, it's about an hour and a half out of the city. I'm such a city girl and I was already auditioning, you know, when I was in high school. And so I, I wanted to still have the connection to the city. I wanted the ability to come back. I did quite a bit, but I also wanted a school that was, you know, it sort of checked all the boxes for me. It was a great liberal arts education. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. really dipped my toes in everything I wanted. It had a great theater department so I could be a part of shows if I decided to. I actually ended up studying film, which I really loved. And I got to go abroad for my junior year. I lived in Prague for a year. So it, it checked all the boxes for me. And, and it was a small, intimate school and, I think it just felt like the right fit. And it was kind of a jarring shift because I had been in Spring Awakening when I was in high school and I left the show to go to college. So it was a very kind of jarring shift to go from this sort of professional world into this, you know, liberal arts bubble. And that was that was definitely a learning curve. It was it was kind of challenging, I'd say probably for the first year or so of college, but I'm really glad that I chose to go there. Was Spring Awakening your first foray onto the Broadway stage? It was, it was. I made my Broadway debut when I was 16 years old. That's big. I mean, let's not not bury that lead, you know, I mean, (laughs) 16 years old is big. Come on. That must have felt like you died and went to heaven. Absolutely. And it was, it was a very surreal experience because I, I don't think we any of us, you know, all of us in that cast were so young and I don't think any of us really realized the impact of what we were creating and what we were doing until we were outside of it. And it was such a powerful experience for me because, you know, I was playing a teenager on stage, going through all of this teen angst and the show was about sexuality and discovery and your bodies and, you know, all of these things that I was experiencing as a teenager. And so Mm -hmm. it felt very meta. It felt very important to represent from you right absolutely absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. and so while doing whatever you did acting in shows during Vassar and when you graduated you knew you were coming back here to Manhattan and then it was just a question of what going on uh, casting calls and and trying to get back to Broadway is was that your dream Pretty much, yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to get back to Broadway. I knew that I wanted to take a break and get an education, and it was really important for me to do those four years and grow as a person. But I always knew I wanted to come back to New York and, you know, get back on Broadway. I loved it, and so I was lucky enough to have my agents, my representation, stick with me through college and sort of wait it out for me. And oh, wow. so I was able to start auditioning right after college and. You know, my first big gig out of college was the Wicked Tour, and I'm so proud of myself for that for so many reasons. It was a very challenging experience being on tour. The role was really hard, but one of the things that I'm most proud of for myself is that I paid off my student loans in a year. (laughs) Okay, that's big. That's really big. Uh It was a great experience. So for the most part, and I am so not being dismissive, has it been a relatively easy road for you to hoe in terms of of theater? You know, I, I think I feel really lucky. I do. I feel like my path, a lot of it has had to do with, you know, being in the right place at the right time. I think a lot of our business has to do with knowing the right people. Like there's, there's no denying that for sure. But at the same time, I know I've worked my butt off and I, so yeah, I do feel lucky to have worked pretty steadily my whole 
adult life and I have been able to support myself as an actor my whole adult life. And so in, in those terms, yes, but at the same time, you know, I've gone through extended periods of unemployment and which have been very scary. Mm. I think at the end of every show actors question, you know, am I ever going to work again? Is there anything that's going to come after this? And so no matter how often you work, there's still that question and there's still that doubt that we all face. Recently, I interviewed Candace Marie Woods, who plays um, Diana Ross in Ain't Too Proud. And oh, yeah. she was absolutely delightful. I loved the show. But she said something that really struck me about the potency of being in that play in particular, to be cast in a show with other people of color, which this was not part of the past. Still, <laughs> there's a long way to go. And as a matter of fact, a couple of days ago, there was a very powerful article in the New York Times signed by members of the theater community, uh, people of color saying, enough already. Yeah. And so I want you to personalize that for us, Was yeah. you know, how that may have impacted you or not. 100%. I mean, I think it, it, it impacts me on a daily basis and it has majorly impacted my career. I think Again, I use the word luck because I've been able to stay uh, employed pretty majorly over the past decade or so. And not every actor, particularly not every actor of color can say that. And one thing that is really unique and kind of interesting in my career is that I have been the either the sole person of color in the production Whoa. or the sole person of color out of the principles in every Broadway show I've ever done. No shit. Exactly. And, and the thing is, that's problematic. It is deeply <laughs> problematic. And mm -hmm. the thing is, though, when, when we check the diversity box, which I can represent sometimes, mm -hmm. that feels like enough when that is not enough. And I know and feel majorly that I am the only or that I am the other when I am in these productions and you know when the subject of race when the subject of diversity gets brought up you know all eyes sort of go to me as the uh, as the you know the rep and the spokesperson yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah and and that's an issue you know I think that I think that so much more needs to change it's wonderful that we have this glimpse of representation but it's quite simply not enough and so I'm grateful that I've been able to work, but I I think that more people of color need to be working steadily. I think that we need to do more than just check boxes. I think we need to do more than just have tokens in every show. Do you and feel your character of Julie Nichols as the female lead in Tootsie falls under that category? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, As I auditioned for that show, I saw that they were auditioning every type of woman, every shade, every size, every color. And I really respected that. They didn't just think this woman has to be a woman of color so that it represents something. You know, I truly believe that I booked that job because I was the best for the role. Mm -hmm. And that's important to remember because sure. I think, you know, I've had a lot of white friends come up to me and say, you know, I really can't work now because, you know, being brown is so in and it's so hard to find a job. Really? I, I, Oh, really? so many people have said that to my face. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is that that it, it diminishes our merit as people of color. No it diminishes kidding. our value. Mm -hmm. it, it indicates that we are a diversity hire, you know? And yeah. 
a token. That is a token. And that is what is systematically wrong with the, the theater and with, you know, the overarching system as a whole. And then you go even deeper into the representation that's chosen happens to only be on stage because it's the thing that we see in the forefront. Um, but then you look backstage and behind the scenes and the creative team mm -hmm. and there's not a person of color to be found and rarely a woman to be found. Yeah, so hello. Mm -hmm. It's so insidious, you know, it's mm -hmm. so deep seated. And, and that's why I think there are people coming out today saying we've had enough. This is, yes. this is it. We need to talk about it. We need to have it out in the open. We need to change this. So I, I don't, I don't know. So sorry to go back to it. No, 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 no. I don't think that I was necessarily the token, but what I find, but at the same time, you know, I was the only person of color in the principal cast. And though it was a diverse cast and ensemble, the majority of the cast members were white and the entire creative team were white males. So there, there are issues with that. And I'm proud to be able to represent on stage, but I no longer want to be the only one. Yeah. I've never wanted to be the only one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you didn't so ask for that role. Exactly. No, no pun intended. Right. Yeah. And that pressure and that sort of, you know, I think that it's... Like I said, when I'm the only person in the room who sort of is the spokesperson, then the responsibility sort of falls on me to be the teacher, to be the I, informer. And mm -hmm. that's not fair. You know, mm -hmm. it's not fair to put that work on people of color. Has this a similar experience happened with most of your jobs where it's just been Lily Cooper? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Just last week, I was a part of a reading where I, again, and it was over Zoom, and it was interesting because we could just sort of see everybody's face, and sure. in the sea of faces, mm -hmm. I was the only brown face. And it wasn't, that's not rare to me, it's very common to me, but, you know, one thing that really stood out to me that I think was such a powerful choice was one of the lead actors sent an email after the very first day, basically saying, you know, we addressed the state of the world and we've talked about this all, but we haven't acknowledged the fact that this is not a very diverse room. And if we claim we're doing the work, then we need to do better. Mm -hmm. And put our money he, where our mouth is. Absolutely. And he brought it up. It makes it more powerful in a way because it makes the people in the room who may not notice it mm -hmm. finally notice it. Right. And I'm always aware of being the only brown person. And there's a certain part of me that questions, does anybody else notice? Mm -hmm. And it was nice to know that it is noticed. And so I was really proud of that moment and really grateful for that actor to step up and talk. When you got the part of Julie Nichols, again, as I said, the female lead in Tootsie, did you kind of feel in terms of your career that you died and went to heaven? 100%. It mm -hmm. was, this it was, was really the big time, right? Oh, Innocent. hands yeah. down, hands down for so many reasons. It, I think because I started professionally at such a young age, a lot of the field and a lot of professionals and colleagues looked at me as a teenager still looked at me as this young actress um, and hadn't ever really seen me in this grown up sort of adult uh, role. And so that in itself, I think was really great for my career being amongst all of these 
comedic geniuses and veterans. <laughs> right, right. Was huge for me. Both on stage and off, you know, your Absolutely. creative team is uh, all bold face names. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it, it felt really full circle. It felt really sort of serendipitous. And, and because our director, Scott Ellis, what, used to be an actor and actually performed with my father oh, in wow. regional theater like 30 years ago. Oh, wow. So there's a little so, nepotism going on there. Yeah, yeah, maybe just a little bit. No, but uh-huh. it, was, it uh-huh. was just so cool to think like our, our, families have crossed and our our like things always sort of come full circle and, and it was really cool to experience that and you know this was before I was even born and so for me to come in and and audition for him and prove myself it just felt really um it felt really special really can powerful. I ask if you don't mind how old you are yes I'm 30 when you look at your credits at your age You've done a lot in different venues, and I hope you feel that way too. Yeah, look at me. Yeah, you know, I absolutely. I feel incredibly proud. I was actually just just saying to my boyfriend Paul. He, we live together, and we have this gallery wall of all my all of my posters, all my signed posters. And I was just sitting on the couch looking at it, and you know, I was. I said to him, I was like, I'm just so proud of myself. It's so nice to be able to say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I get to look at these posters and these things that I've achieved and the Tony nomination on my wall and think, wow, I kind of can't believe I've achieved all of this. And I'm really proud of myself. And I think it's so important, especially as women, especially as women of color, to remind ourselves that it's okay to be proud of ourselves and to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. And to toot our own horn and to tootsie our own horns. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move to the small screen. So you've wanted to do that as well. Absolutely. I mean, I studied film in college and it was, you know, behind the scenes, it was film production. But I, I part of why I just chose to do that was because I had never really experienced film acting before. And it was a great way to sort of open my eyes to the to the behind the scenes of, of TV and TV is a scary world. Like when you book a job, you're just sort of thrown in and you're expected to know all the terminology and all that. So it was really helpful to have a film degree to start auditioning for television. And I think that's sort of what helped me feel comfortable in the realm. And ever since I've, I've booked a, a, quite a few like little jobs here and there, but I'm really, uh, that's my next sort of big dream. You want to get a series or? Yeah, to, oh, yeah. okay. You know, to really you work mo- you steadily. You want to switch coasts or your, uh, how do you feel I mean, about that? luckily a lot of TV is being shot in New York. Yeah, um, yeah. All of the TV jobs I've had are, are were shot in New York, New York and Atlanta. So mostly the East Coast. But yeah, I mean, I think that I'm open to transferring over to LA at some point in time. I think it would be more of a temporary situation. I think my home and my life is so New York based. It would be hard for me to forever move over there. But yeah, I think I would, I would really love to just sort of try it out, especially if I had a reason to go over there, you know, for Mm -hmm. a job. So yeah. Have you ever thought of pursuing a singing career like to put on a show at the Carlisle Hotel, do some kind of cabaret work. Have you ever thought about that? Absolutely. I've thought about it a lot. And I think that it's the kind of thing where it just hasn't ever been the right time for me. Luckily, I've been just so busy in my career that it's been hard for me to even, you know, prioritize something else. 
But yeah, I've had it sort of in the back of my mind for years. And so many friends of mine have always been so encouraging of wanting me to do it and wanting me to even record. And I do really enjoy recording. It just does feel to me a little bit like a shift. And I would have to be in the right sort of mind frame and time Mm -hmm. to shift into that world. Um, And I just haven't quite yet. So it definitely is a goal of mine to have a solo show, to be able to, you know, sing with symphonies and all of that. So whenever those opportunities come, I I would love to jump at them for sure. I want to go back to Tootsie. Is it a grind to do eight shows a week, to be on every night? Regardless of what might have happened to you three hours before, you had a fight with your boyfriend or you, you yeah. know, whatever, to leave all that shit at the stage door. I'm so glad you brought that up because, yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a dream. I wouldn't exchange it for anything in the world. I absolutely love what I do, but it is a job. And sometimes it's really hard to get up and go to work. And sometimes it's really hard to get through a show. And I always think like, each show sort of challenges you in different ways. So like, for example, Wicked was one of the most vocally exhausting shows I've ever done. And so I had to treat my body in a very specific way in order for me to do that show. And so that affected my, you know, 12 hours before I even go to the theater Mm. with how I treat my body and how I use my voice and all those things. So it's not just we have to remember it's not just the few hours that we're at the theater. It's your entire lifestyle outside of the theater that allows you to do those eight shows a week. Mm -hmm. Um, Like SpongeBob was one of the most physically demanding shows I've ever done. So I really had to take care of my body in that way. Tootsie was wonderful. It was such a joyous experience and it was one of the more, acting and emotionally challenging shows. So I really started meditating when I was doing Tootsie. So yeah, it's a job. It's a hard job. You have to think about it kind of 24 seven. It's not just something you walk into. You have to prep yourself and it's really hard. It's really hard. Have there ever been times, not that you got the feedback, but that you might've said to yourself, gee, I feel like I phoned that one in today. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I mean you're some- human, for God's sake. Yeah, nothing can be perfect. I mean, I think I go into every performance wanting to do my best. And I, more times than not, I'm, I'm, I can be disappointed in my own performance. And then I'll have a friend at that show saying, Oh my God, that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. So, so you're a majority of one for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're our worst critics, you know, and for the most part, I think that we're really perfectionists, um, artists and actors. And so we, we want to be the best we possibly can be. And so that makes it very easy to disappoint yourself. Yeah. Have you ever had the experience, and I'm not trying to be a negativist, but I, you know, in terms of getting a role and thinking, oh, what have I done? I don't love this. <laughs> Did that ever happen? Huh. Let me think. You don't have to name it if that's true, but. No, yeah. I don't know. Actually, there definitely have been experiences that were just like not the greatest experiences and weren't very fun. But I think I'm, the thing that I always try to remember throughout my career and throughout every show I do is to experience and express as much gratitude as possible because I really do. I really am so lucky to do what I love. And so even if it's like an uncomfortable situation or not that fun of a show or not that good of a show, I'm so grateful that I'm working, you know? Mm, So I don't ever regret being busy. I don't ever regret getting a paycheck. 
So is it more common of, than not that when you're in a, a large production that these people really do feel like family? Absolutely. Right. Think about it. We're, we're with each other sometimes in rehearsals up to 10, 12 hours a day. We're eating with each other. We're traveling with each other. We're opening our souls to one another. We're watching each other make mistakes, beat ourselves up, uh, judge ourselves. You know, we're really opening our souls to each other. So yeah, it, it's, it's the most intimate process possible. I think sometimes right. in some ways you're closer to your fellow actors than you are to your family because you see them more often. Well, you also rely on them in a different way. You, you know, you're dependent on them. In a different way. hundred percent. You want to be able to trust the people that you're sharing the stage with. Otherwise, you just don't feel safe. And so you want to be able to feel safety and protection on stage. And that's and that means relying and trusting the people that you work with. Has there ever been an experience where there wasn't that camaraderie? Oh, certainly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, personalities can clash sometimes. And and I think pro- people's different processes are can be very different and can sort of clash. I remember an experience. I was out of town and, and I was playing opposite this man that we just didn't really get along. And it mm-hmm. just was not great. But you sort of have to throw all that away the second you walk on stage. And that's sometimes is the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. That that happens that happens a lot. I'd say more often than not in my career I've been so blessed to have companies that I just fall in love with and I become like best friends with, but mm-hmm. every now and then, you know, it happens. Have you ever worked with a quote Broadway diva? Broadway diva. Hmm. I don't know. I'd, I'd say that I'm probably the biggest Broadway diva in any cast I've been in. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I own it. That's, but you know what yeah. strikes me when I said that, asked that question, and it just hit me. What's the male version of that? I know, right? You know, come on, myself. man. It's only it's only women that would have that attached to them. I totally agree. And I've talked about this to my dad, who's a Broadway veteran, you know, and he'll talk about some man he's working with who's just complains all the time and does all these things that sort of drives everybody crazy. But he's a professional and he gets shit done. And I always say to my dad, I'm like, if that were a woman, don't you think she would be called either a bitch or a diva? Because Exactly. Yeah. Clearly, there is this bias and it's not okay. And I, I kind of, I kind of hate the term diva because there, diva should be a great, well, it's a great thing. I'm proud to be a diva. I want to be, my dream is to be a diva. Mm-hmm. I want to be Patty. Mm-hmm. I want to be Audra. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. of them being divas as being dramatic or negative. I think of them as or, being- yeah, bitches. Right. Yeah. I think of them as being legends. So right, that's what right. I, I want to associate the word diva with being legendary as opposed to being bitchy. Yeah. In terms of hard work, I saw Tina the Musical. And, oh, yeah. And I've been to a lot of Broadway, but I was so bowled over by Adrian Warren's performance as Tina Turner. What struck me also in terms of just the whole, the whole storyline, but the physicality of that show. I, I heard that she did not do matinees. And I mean, I think if she did, she would be a medical phenomenon, for God's sake. Yeah. But I just think, wow. And it's not to say that she carries the entire show, but she's the show in a sense. I found that to be an incredibly riveting experience. Oh, yeah. I've been so impressed by Adrienne, her entire career and everything I've ever seen her in. She's remarkable. And this is something that 
I think has just sort of transcended her into the next level. I haven't actually seen the show. I've seen a lot of clips and I know sort of what her body takes on because I've spoken to her about it. I've seen it. And it is, she's truly a superhero. I don't know how she does it. I'm glad she doesn't do matinees because I I think a lot of times people are sort of pressured into doing all eight shows a week, but sometimes roles just are not, you're not capable of doing it. And it's just too much to ask. So I think that's a, it's a really good thing that she's not doing all eight shows. If I was your fairy godmother and I said, okay, Lily, what role do you want? So many. (laughs) Okay. Uh, almost all of them are Sondheim related. I dream of playing the baker's wife in Into the Woods. I always love to, I'd also love to play the witch in Into the Woods. Mm -hmm. I also want to play Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd. That's down the line. That's like later, you know? Yeah. And then there is Sarah in Ragtime has been a a dream of mine since I was really, since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Because that's, you know. Audra is the end all be all. She's an icon. Yeah. Icon. Yeah. Talk about the influence that your family had on you a little bit more in detail. Yeah. So my mom was an actress. It's how my parents met in college. They studied theater together and she was working until basically until she had kids. And so she hasn't been performing since then but, you know, was very ingrained in theater. And she's really the one who introduced me to all of the music stylings that I've always listened to and loved. You know, she raised me on Ella Fitzgerald and Dinah Washington. Those were huge musical influences for me. So she was a big part of my, of my artistic influence as well. But yeah, so my dad has basically been on Broadway since I was born and before that. And my fondest, most vivid, earliest memory of theater is when I was backstage at The Life, which is the show my dad won a Tony for. And it was a block away from my elementary school. And so after school, I would walk over to the theater and I would do homework at his, you know, in his dressing Dressing room. room. Uh And then I would stay for the show backstage and I would sort of wander the halls of the theater backstage and I would hang out with the ensemble women and I would be in the wings and I would stand by the stage manager booth and watch the show from the wings. And I mean, it was such a vivid, visceral memory and experience for me. I mean, that is really what I credit to, you know, my love for theater is Mm -hmm. because I was just so deeply immersed in it, you know, not just seeing theater, but being able to see how it was done and having these like beautiful, amazing women in front of me has these great influences. You know, Lilius White was in the show. Oh, she was one of my guests. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. She's a powerful, wow. She Uh she is. So to be able to see women like that on stage, just total powerhouses when I was like seven and eight years old, it's so formative and, and really powerful for a child. So yeah, that's sort of how I was influenced and that's how I was it there all the time. My dad was in Chicago. I would sit at the stage manager's booth and as the stage manager would call the show during in Chicago and, um, you know, so many other shows. So it, it's really how I was totally immersed in it. Have you ever dreamed about or wanted to be in a production that involved the Cooper family? 
oh yeah, of course. We have dreams of it. We think we have a few shows in mind. Well, what about <laughs> writing your own for that matter? Or writing our own, yes. We've actually performed together as the Cooper clan, is what we call ourselves. Uh-huh. Uh, and we have had a few uh, concerts. We did a concert at Lincoln Center together. We did a concert at Joe's Pub together. So we've actually performed a few times together, but we've never really done a show. So that would be a total dream to do a show with my family. I would love it. I, I, I just think it's so exciting that you all not have that in common, but you also have walked a mile in each other's shoes. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things about sharing that common with my dad is, you know, as a as a youngin, I would meet all of these actors and artists and and sort of look up to them. And now I'm beginning to work with those people, with those same people. And I, it's, I mean, it's, it's indescribably cool. It's really awesome. One of the actors from The Life actually came to Tootsie and didn't recognize me. And I had to tell him that I was Chuck Cooper's daughter and he fell to the ground. He was like so shocked. <laughs> oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. So it was just, it's really cool. I love it. It just brings the biggest smile to my face. Well, you know what? I guess in these terrible times, referencing back, you can get maybe comfort from some of the things that you have done. And maybe there's also this opportunity, and I use that term in quotes, to reinvent yourself. Maybe cutting an album. Yeah. I feel like this time is going to produce so much art. And I'm really excited to see what that means. I think there are people holed up in their homes just craving creation. and. I can't wait to see what comes of this, the plays mm-hmm. and the music and the poetry and the artwork. And I hope that this can be a catalyst for amazing art. And I do have faith in that. I mean, is there a better way to end than, but, than on an uplifting note like that? Yeah. Lily Cooper will be back on stage, belting out her tunes and doing what she does so well, along with the rest of her siblings. It was really great to meet you. And I so enjoyed being in the audience for Tootsie. And uh, I I really do wish you continued success because you'll have it. Thank you so much. It was really great getting to meet you. You too. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Mm -hmm.